Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, December 28th, 2023. I'm your host, Ephraim Jr., and today we pulled Fast Horse. Five, four, three, two, one. It's the Yes, it's me. It's me, the viral TikTok sensation, 100 likes and counting. It's me. I made a a TikTok yesterday, Virgos being Virgos, and I sat in my bed, I laid in my bed for like an hour researching celebrity birthdays. And then when I thought there was a good celebrity, I started going through their interviews and found really easily very Virgo clips from these people. So I put together my inspirational Virgo TikTok and it's, you know, she's viral now. It's just what it is. It's my new life. I'm an influencer now. You can expect more self-deprecating Virgo content to come in the near future. Virgos being Virgos part two and then part three. And who knows how long I can push it. I did a thousand of these. Virgos being Virgos part 1000. Is that a thing? Is that something that anybody needs? I think Virgos need it actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, Virgos, Virgos need it. So hello, I'm here. It's never shut up time. I'm here alone today. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I pulled Fast Horse, which I fucking love Fast Horse. But instead of listening to Fast Horse today, I thought I'm going to listen to all of Abnormally Attracted to Sin. I haven't listened to the album in a long time. I love that record. I'm going to listen to the whole thing in order. And I'm going to hear where Fast Horse falls and see if I can pull something new from it. See if it has different context in relation to the whole album. So I listened to the whole thing, and Ats is really where I'm at right now. (laughs) Abnormally Attracted to Sin is such a fine record. I'm shocked I didn't pull Curtain Call. Sometimes the bag is spot on, and I'm nervous about what the pool is tomorrow. I'm nervous about it. It's my last show tomorrow. Although there is a special this weekend. Don't worry. So I'm nervous what the tomorrow pool will be. But today, Fast Horse through listening to the whole record, convinced me why she should come up to the plate rather than Curtain Call. Curtain Call would have been the obvious choice. Take your bow. You've blown them all. Be proud of yourself. Wave. Wave to the ones in the back. Hi. Remember me? But no, I pulled Fast Horse. So, okay. It's hard not to be dramatic because I am a theater kid in recovery. I am a theater kid in partial recovery. So it's hard not to be dramatic about coming to the end of this show. And I was I was wrestling with how this happened, how I found myself in this predicament where I am ending this show when it brought me so much to my life. It's not an overstatement at all to say that I really found myself in the last four years through this show, particularly after the pandemic. And I think it's been five years, right? I say four years, but has it been five I think it's been five, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, five years of doing this show. It's not an overstatement to say that I found myself and I found the newer adult version of myself. I don't remember who I was before I started doing this podcast. I remember like bits and pieces. I remember the jobs I had, the friends I had, the places I lived, but I don't remember like having a ritual of any kind or having a regimen of any kind that pulled me back towards myself. And that's what this show has done for me for so long. 
I've learned so much about myself and I've learned so much about everything just because I, especially after pandemic, I decided I was going to be honest here and take the responsibility and take the, take the gauntlet that David had left me because I didn't want to, the, the main show is so heavily researched and so like fact checked. I didn't want to bring in misinformation here. And so I always tried to hold myself accountable whenever I would bring up a topic I would do copious reading. Sometimes I'd read the articles right here on the air until, you know, until I realized that's their work. That's not my work. And so I really tried to hold myself accountable and always be honest here, especially to what I was feeling in the moment. And Fast Horse, I'm going to get into it. And where I'm going to start is that Fast Horse it's not gold dust, but it is kind of gold dust. Just the word fast, it reminds me that it all goes by so fast. That horse, you got you a fast horse, darling, but all you do is complain. It ain't a Maserati. So it's all going by so incredibly fast. And you are, me are, I are trying to make it go faster. There have been times where I'm just like not appreciating the moment, not enjoying the moment, certainly, and not valuing the experience. And so... That's one tiny little piece of what I found in Fast Horse today, which is, man, if all of the times that I had done this show, if every episode of the 1,000 episodes that I've put together, except for probably about 50, that were all David's creation, he made the blueprint. You know, if this were a, a television series, he'd be getting paid every single episode <laughs> for creating the format. For really diving into the bag with honesty and with like a certain, like a, a light that he has that I can't explain, that I can't emulate. I don't have it. That sort of deep thought that he has, I don't have that. But if I had sat here a thousand times and really gone inward every single time, this would feel so complete right now. But I feel like I'm not, I'm not entirely complete. And how I got here, you know, I had a really rough tour for my own faults and my own reasons. She's not a victim, but she did have a rough tour. And I felt, and I still feel, and I still work through this with my therapist, which is I feel like this generalized anxiety that I've never felt before. And I felt like putting myself out there every day, being, I don't know any other way to do the show except for like now at this point, radically vulnerable. Just absolutely what's on my mind. Trying not to filter it and trying not to hide my feelings because it only does myself a disservice. So I don't know how to do the show in any other way. So I started feeling very anxious that people were the wrong people, were knowing too much about me, and that there was a level of ammunition that was coming my way. And it did. It kind of exploded in my face. What I've learned about myself over the last five years is that I've learned a lot, actually. I've learned a lot about myself. And one of the things that I've learned is that my coping mechanisms... I might not have the best coping mechanisms. I try to. I've learned better coping mechanisms, and it's easier to recall those coping mechanisms after having ruminated on them for so long and worked through them for so long. It's easier to recall them quickly. And so I might not have the best coping skills, but I have access to the best coping skills, and I can guide myself to the best coping skills. That's something that I've learned along the way. I do have a weakness for the alcohol and I do have a weakness for the men and that has always typically led me astray and there are times that I don't like myself and generally those times are around those things and that's something I've learned along the way and it's something I've tried to be better at along the way. I've tried to negotiate with myself towards healthier relationships, towards safer relationships but today, as I'm looking at the lyrics for Fast Horse, and after having listened to the entire album, 
and really pulled out incredible moments that I hadn't heard in certain ways before. Starling right before this, that guy, police me, flavor, all of it. It was kind of opening itself up to me today. And so when Fast Horse came around, I've always taken the beginning of Fast Horse, how can I be drunk? You strike with dry poison. I've always taken that line to be about a narrator who is obsessed, possessed by her desire or her love or her crush, basically. Like, you're giving me nothing in return. How am I so obsessed with you? Basically, like in layman's terms, in non-Tory speak, that's how I always approach this song. How can I be drunk? You strike with dry poison. So as I'm hearing it in the context of the record today and trying to figure out what I was going to say about why we didn't pull curtain call, trying to like not have you come down too hard on the bag, I thought like, this is all wrong. I'm looking at this song all wrong. And in light of certain events in my recent past in the last couple months, I, I interpret this beginning so much differently now. How can I be drunk? You strike with dry poison. When someone is coming at you with a poison dart, when someone is firing at you, trying to poison you or trying to kill you, how am I letting this affect me? How am I letting this dart bring me down when the poison attached to the dart is dry poison? You don't strike with anything meaningful. You don't strike with anything relevant to who I am. And what you're striking with and the fact that you're firing at me says more about you than it does about me. So I don't have this platform for much longer. And I want to just, I want to be honest that when I started this show in 2016, I started this show, this show actually was born in my mind in 2015. And I had listened, I told the story a million times, but I was listening to a podcast called Answer Me This with Helen and Ollie, and they and Helen's husband is Martin the Soundman. And Martin the Soundman was he had such a cute British voice, and I loved him so much. And Helen said at the end of one episode, she said, "Martin, why don't you tell everybody about your podcast that you're starting with your friend?" And he said, "Oh, I'm starting a podcast about the songs of Tom Waits, and we're going to go through every song by Tom Waits in chronological order and talk about each song." And Helen made the joke, "Well, Martin, you've never been afraid of a niche." And in that moment, I'm like, "Holy shit!" I turned the podcast immediately to song by song, the songs of Tom Waits. And fell in love with it. Listened to that whole first album. They did it in like 15, 20 minute chunks. It was really small episodes, manageable episodes. And I loved it. And I knew nothing about Tom Waits, but I loved that first album talking about it, listening to Martin and his co-host talk about it. And I thought like, okay, if I could do this, if I could do this with Tori Amos, like I love every song. I'm, I'm to a fault find joy and light in every song, except for Rose Dover. But I'll get there, you know? Even the even the songs that aren't beloved, I love. Like, I'll request Mr. Badman. I don't care. I would love to hear Mr. Badman. I'm all about not dying today. Everybody knows I love not dying today, okay? Because I'm not dying today. So anyway, I had this idea in my mind to start Drive All Night in 2015. And I... Knew that I needed a co-host because all the podcasts I listened to were co-hosted. And the ones that I listened to that were a single host were like true crime. And it was very, very serious. And I wanted it to be fun. And I even thought like, oh, we can bring guests and stuff. So then I didn't, at that time, I had this person in my life. We, he, he really didn't like me very much. We had been friends briefly in 2005. And in 2006, for a reason that was never disclosed to me, he decided he didn't like me. And he made my life miserable from 2006 to probably about 2010, 11. Whenever I would see him at a Tory show, we avoided each other. 
We did not like each other. When I first moved to LA, my friend Dor said, hey, the two of you should be friends because she was moving away. And she said, the two of you should be friends to take care of each other. And we were friends. And I had agreed to go with him to a concert several months in advance. But when the concert came, I said, I can't go to this concert because I was in rehearsal. I was in grad school at the time and I was in rehearsal for a play and I couldn't miss the rehearsal. And he got really mad because he bought the tickets. And I understand. And looking back on it 20 years later, I would have probably paid him for the ticket, but I assumed he could find someone else because he was very popular. But that was the last we ever spoke. And that was in like spring of 06. And since then, I always assumed that that was the reason he didn't like me. But a couple of times he alluded to that was not the reason, but he never told me why. He would call me a snowflake online, which meant something different at the time. It meant that I was a flake. He made my online life miserable for a great period of time. And I remember at one point there was a thread in a private forum about all of our, it was the Tori Amos private forum. And it was, everybody was like talking about their sex drive. And I said, I haven't had a sex drive for six months. And he said, me and all of the people in LA, thank you. And I thought that was very hurtful. And so that's where that's when my grudge started. And that was probably about 08, 09. But we just avoided each other. We avoided each other. And then somewhere along like 2015 or so, things kind of smoothed out. I don't know if it was, I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it was in the Geraldine's tour. I don't know when it smoothed out. But we started being acquaintances. We started being friendlier towards each other. Until finally, uh, at the end of 2014... I was invited to his one of his Christmas parties. And I went and everything was cool and copacetic. And then he invited me to his birthday party in 2015. And I, and that was like in the spring. And then that's when I had like started hatching this idea about Drive All Night. And so I said, hey, I have this idea for a podcast. This was like the summer. And I said, I have this idea for a podcast. Would you like to co-host it with me? Because I knew this person knew so much about music. And he said, uh, I don't know. Get back to me at the holidays because I'm really, really busy. And I said, okay. And I kind of drafted out like what it would be. Meanwhile, I was listening to Song by Song by the Tom Waits podcast the whole way through because I just wanted to get to Black Rider because that was my favorite Tom Waits album anyway. So at the winter party, he had another winter party and he invited me and I said, hey, you want to try this? And I assured him, I said, I don't want it to be negative because at that time there was a lot of like negative talk in the fan community. People were not into Geraldine's. People were like taking pot shots or whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't want it to be negative. I wanted to strike the same vibe that Tom Waits podcast had, which was really positive, just fangirl, a lot of like fangirl stuff. And he was trepidatious, but I said, why just come over to my house and we'll do like the very first episode and we'll see if we vibe. And he came over and we vibed and we did the whole first album and we dropped it and people liked it from the moment, from the moment that we started that podcast, I paid for the microphones. I paid for the web hosting for 10 years. I paid for the SoundCloud. I paid for all of the things, everything. I paid for ads to market it. This was way prior to Patreon. I paid for everything. Not to mention all of the editing. Every single moment of this podcast has been edited by myself and myself alone, with the exception of David edited anything that he did on Never Shut Up, and David edited the wonderful Caudalite Sneeze noun v. verb trial, which I long and I aspire to get to that level of editing. That was inspired, and I fucking love David. But anyway, this person, we never discussed roles except for I've always broken the podcast down into four roles which is producer, two co-hosts and an editor. And the producer handles the, you know, all of the marketing, all of the posting, all of the managing of the social media content, responding to threads, responding to comments, everything. And so it, it was a, a lot. And the podcast kind of took off and it was really exciting. So in 2017 we started a Patreon 
after having sunk a ton of my own money in throughout all of 2016, including paying Jack, who did our logo, all of this money for this show came out of my business bank account, my own Sideways Society bank account, which I had started in 2015. And we did two plays. We did two plays and made some money that I sunk into this podcast and then my own personal money. I feel like I owe this to you all for being here and for listening and just knowing my truth because this is something I've never said out loud. So in 2017, the Patreon came around. We made $5,000 that year before taxes. That $5,000 went to paying my company back and then tour came around and I decided that I was gonna do the entire tour. And I had this brilliant, what I thought was a brilliant idea to do tour all night, which was following the tour around, at, talking to people after the show, seeing what they thought about it and really just like bonding with people. Cause I like, I thought I had a lot of friends in this community and I really wanted to hear other people's experiences and just like have a big road party is what I really wanted. So that was part of the business expense. And so all of the tour was funded by the Patreon. Not only my tour, my tour was not entirely funded because I did the whole tour. I spent $1,200 on gas on my gas card that I split in fourths with Maria and Peter and Shaggy. And then I ended up having, and you know, that all the money that they would pay for gas was what I would spend on food and like living so that at the end, I ended up having to pay the gas card from my own bank account. Not to mention all of the maintenance on my car, because we took my car that tour, which is now dead and gone. New tires, a new radio, hotels, and concert tickets, which I was so grateful for every single person who gave me a concert ticket on that tour, because it really, really helped. And that was my own naivete on how to run a business. But my tour was partially funded, but his tour was entirely funded. Every ticket he got for free, every trip he got for free, every road trip he got for free, he never paid for a cent of gas or a cent of hotel room. And it was a miserable experience. Being on the road with him was a miserable experience. And my and and that's not just me. I'm sure he had a miserable time too. Apparently he had a miserable time too. So, but he seems to forget that I paid for his entire tour and paid for his microphone that he still has and that we didn't make that much money. And so this rumor started circulating from him that I never paid him for anything and that, I, you know, there was... We also made the tour diaries, the tour diaries. So with that being said, we were together a year and a half and he quit the podcast two or three times at that point. And he was having a miserable time. In my mind, I think it came down to that we both needed to have control over the project, except for that it was my project. My company was fronting the money in the beginning. I did all of the editing and I made all of the decisions and I just don't think he liked that and he stepped away and I was fine with it. By that point, I was fine with it. We were both being really abusive towards each other. So it was neither here nor there for me. And I knew that the Tory Amos of it all was what people were listening for. Like people wanted to hear about these songs. And that's and that always was my desire to give back to Tori Amos because she saved my life. You know, when I was a kid coming out of the closet, wanting to wanting to off myself, this fucking music gave me life. Okay, truly, truly. So it was always my intention to give back to the community and to give back to the woman the woman but it was greater it, i realized it was greater than myself and that those first that first whole little earthquake season of 15 minute episodes by the time david came on and brought so much to the show and we were doing two hours two and a half hours on this old man i'm like how are we doing two and a half hours on this old man and precious things has 15 minutes like this is it makes no sense and so we knew that we had to go back and do all of them again 
And I was happy to do it because I was in a partnership with that person for less than two years. After having known him for 10, 11 years at that point and him being really cruel to me for a lot of it. So less than two years, we ran this show together and David has been here for six years and there the synergy between us as I'm editing right now I'm editing um, a silent night with you and the synergy between us is is truly it brought me back to life over Christmas because this person said some really nasty things about me and tried to imply a lot of stuff about me that is simply just slanderous and like whatever and I wasn't going to respond to anything but it really pulled me inwards and made me afraid to shine for a second And I realized, how can I be drunk? You strike with dry poison. Nothing that you say, nothing that you say can hurt me. I don't care. Nothing that anyone says can hurt me. I don't care. I've done too much. I've had too much growth. I've done too much healing in the last several years thanks to this show. Thanks to this show that has nothing to do with anybody else but me and David. This show right here was a space for healing. This show right here was a space to fucking get through a fucking pandemic. When I didn't know, you know, I didn't fucking know. I thought it was two weeks at first. And then I gained 50 fucking pounds. I couldn't fucking leave my house. In July, when Ryan told me, Ryan never had the luxury of staying home. Ryan was always an essential worker and he had to go to work all of the time. And so at one point we were talking about traffic and he was like so angry about traffic. And I said, how are you angry about traffic? Like there's nobody out. And he told me in July of 2020, everybody there, people are still out. Everybody's still out. Nothing has changed. What, what do you think? And I realized that from March to July, I hadn't been out of my house in any meaningful way. I was never the one who went on walks. I sat at my computer and I edited every single day. And it's the only thing, It again, is the only reason I survived. I truly believe I had a creative outlet. I didn't go internal into my own head. I didn't implode because I had a creative outlet. We did Choir Girl. We did this show. And I met new people. And I brought new people on. And I tried my best to fucking bring some sort of positive energy into this world. Because I didn't want, you know, I've had things here and there with people. I've had relationships that have crumbled that have been meaningful to me. And that's not what I want to leave behind. And that's not how I want to think about myself. So this person said some really nasty things about me online that can't hurt me. It's dry poison. Six years ago, I had a falling out with someone who chose to leave. I didn't fire him. He chose to leave. And then when I announced that he was gone, it's not up to me to tell his story. He told his story on his Facebook that day in a very not nice post. So he told his version of events. It's not up to me to tell his story. But I also never told my story. I never said what was in my feelings about this. So... As I approach the end of an era, five years of having this platform, I hope you know that my intention is to finish this catalog, to enjoy this catalog, to really bring exciting interviews, exciting content, and to do it with love and light. David and I have had our problems along the way, and most of the time they've been mine. It's most of the time it's been me because I've been so scarred by previous experiences. And David and I, David is such a a gift in my life. He is someone who allows me to speak my heart, speak my truth, and forgives me. He he has so much forgiveness and love that I've never known any friend like that in this community. So there's something about that girl, that sister of mine, that I feel like she's a true one. You know, I feel like she's uh, someone who's seen me grow and change and stumble and crawl and stand up and has rooted for me every step of the way. 
So I want to leave it at that. I want to find me the man who will smoke this out, the medicine man, this bad medicine. And the man who's going to smoke this out, this bad medicine, is myself, is me here on this podcast saying what I said. It's out. It's my truth. No one can hurt me with their dry poison. This person tried to make my tour miserable, tried to come for me on tour in the shadows behind my back had so much disdain for me, yet still skirted the door at the after party for the last show, I didn't say anything. I could have kicked that person out. This person decided in 2006 to hold a grudge against me and never gave me the courtesy to tell me why. And that grudge lasted almost 10 years. And it was a nasty grudge because we're in the same community. This person continues to hold a grudge to this day. That's That is this person's business. That is this therapist's work to do with their therapist if they have one. And I hope that they do because I'm doing my work. All the only work that I can do is the work that I do with my therapist. But I'm telling you, if I found out that my therapist was out there talking shit about people online, I might choose a different therapist. So that is my truth. That is my bad medicine. And it feels great. It feels so good to talk about it. It feels good to feel unburdened. So... Thank you to everybody who uh, has listened for the last five years. Thank you to everybody who's listening now. Thank you to anybody who contacted me and said, hey, this person who has you blocked is talking shit about you behind a private wall. And I thought you'd like to know. There were several of you that reached out to me to tell me. And I may have been backed into a corner that week and scared that week, but I'm not scared anymore. I'm no longer engaged in some kind of advanced shackling. When I don't have this platform, I have to rely on myself, right? I have to still hold myself accountable to learning the things that I want to learn. Even if I'm not going to talk about them that day, I still have to move forward. And so I'm not going to shackle myself to the bullshit of the past. I've made many mistakes. I'm a messy, messy girl, but I love incredibly deeply. I'm incredibly loyal. I'm open. I'm honest. I try not to lead with my hurt. I try to lead with my heart. And I'm no longer engaged in any advanced shackling. So thank you. And fuck you. And thank you. And this fucking horse went so fast.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.